0: today and radio it's a great pleasure to be able to minister to those who are shut-ins and those who are unable able to come to worship let's go to the lord in prayer father we want to thank you for the privilege and the honor to minister to those by way of television and radio and facebook and youtube and we thank you lord that though many uh, institutions um, restaurants and places of worship are are closed and as for the next two weeks as we work on matthew chapter 2 and in the early ministry of jesus we just want to thank you father for the privilege and the and the opportunity to come in into the homes in prisons and as we hear the testimonials of those by way of television and radio we just consider it a real privilege and honor to be able to minister to the gospel of jesus christ During the covid scare, we always begin our worship service with the Lord's Prayer, and then we move right into um, the sharing. And those by way of television, those by way of radio, and that can join us in the Lord's Prayer, as the Lord taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I'd like to call on Kurt and Mike, if you please come forward at this time. If you're viewing by way of television, our scripture, it's going to be Matthew chapter 2, verses 1-12, through 12. and we have the scripture printed on our bulletin inserts. And it's uh, it makes greater impact that you not only hear the word of God, but you read the word of God. And um, for those who are here this Sunday, you might want to just stick that insert in the pew where you're at, and um, we won't have to mass produce so many next week because we're going to be working um, for the next two or three weeks to um, uh, Matthew chapter two and four, two and four. So again. Um, Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12.
1: Greetings, loved ones. You are loved. We are all loved. And I pray we are open and worthy enough servants through Jesus to receive his kind words bestowed on each of us. Verses 1 through 12. Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with them, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, Where is the Christ was to be born? They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written, By the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I, too, may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they'd offer him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in the dream not to return to Herod, they parted to their own by another way. Praise God for the word. With God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Amen.
2: Good morning, brothers and sisters. The birth of uh, King usually draws a lot of attention. Initially, we should notice that Jesus drew, drew worshippers even in infancy as a baby. Herod was the king then, and he had at least a small, pleasant side. He did keep peace and built the temple. Herod was of Arab descent and ruled under Rome's pleasure. His father gained that power by supporting Julius Caesar when he conquered himself. Despite this small and minor night side, he was evil and paranoid. So much so that Herod killed his wife, his three sons, and even Augustus damper Rome. Later on, in verse 13, 16, we see Herod does his final act of evil. On his deathbed, He sent his minions out to kill people so that there would be tears on his demise. But this also shows that the evil Jesus faced at death started when he was born as a baby. Wise men, these men weren't wise, they were probably magicians or sorcerers, came and told Herod that had fallen a star to a new king in Jerusalem. They followed the star of Jerusalem to worship him. Upon hearing this news, Herod secretly assembled some of his chief priests and scribes and asked him to go find the new king. They said he's in Bethlehem. And then they told him the, the prophets, Micah, and Samuel's word about a king being born that rule Israel. Herod, some of these gentle heard from Jesus once again Instructed them to locate the new king and bring his location back to him, so he can have him killed. This move was cunning and evil, of course. But realized that sending troops to Bethlehem would arouse the people and brought thought of suspicious activity by the people that live there. So sending. The wise of was actually kind of shrewd and cunning by here. They did follow the store five miles south to Bethlehem. Micah the prophet spoke of Bethlehem as a little clan of Judah. Matthew changed the wording to say there are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Matthew's intention here by changing those words was probably to show that God has blessed the small, unimportant or town of Bethlehem by having the Messiah himself born there. Now this isn't mentioned in, in Matthew, but probably more likely than not, the magicians were not only answering a call or summons by Herod; they probably come to seek the location of this new king they heard of. Jesus being king of the Jews was a major theme in the book of Matthew. Matthew mentions king when Pilate asked Jesus if he were king of the Jews, he mentioned king when the soldiers were mocking Jesus on his cross as he died. And even on the, on the parchment posted above his head on the cross were those words, king of the Jews. The other books of the gospel I skipped over so many details. Verse 11 says that Mark Probable, probable that the wise men, I use the air quotes, found Jesus in a house. The manger was probably attached to this house, and some time may have elapsed between the actual birth of Jesus and the visit of these so-called wise men. Finally, finding Jesus, and even before presenting their gifts they brought, they bowed down and worshiped the baby Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh were brought. But however, those gifts speak of his death on the cross. Gold for the king, myrrh was actually used to preserve bodies, and and frankincense would cover the smell of the rotten body. Finally, those magicians did not take the road home that Herod had ordered them to take. They found a different way. This is a good reminder to us that we should not follow, always follow the path that our body and mind tell us to. There is a safer and better way to take. We do that with our with the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our gift of discernment for the preservation and safety of our own souls. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Kurt and Mike. Elements from need to review, be reminded of. Um, we all forget so many of the tenets of the faith. There's a kind of progression that you see, and it was, and Mike brought that out too, that the, the scriptures here from about two to four is, is kind of encapsulating a lot of the 30 year life of Christ move from the last few Sundays to the birth of Christ and we're kind of getting into the epiphany which means the revelation of Christ and as we kind of build on that, the revelation of Christ in our lives, That certainly wise men and women, boys and girls, are still seeking Jesus. In that progression from the stable to the house, probably uh, it, it was more than days and more than weeks, it possibly was months, in years they moved from a stable in the stable and the site to this house. We learn in this portion of scripture something about ourselves. The depth of our commitment to Christ. Many Christians, sociologists and biblical writers have mentioned that That if we don't end this virus, that 30 to possibly as high as 50% of churchgoers may not return to their churches. That would be devastating to larger churches that, that are really dependent upon solely themselves. They don't rent out their facilities, they don't share their facilities with others. And they're going to have to probably learn to in order to um, be good stewards of the space and uh, the energy costs. It's not known who these wise persons were. Their names and their dwelling places are, are kept back. more concerned about the things that he did understand and he wasn't doing. And I believe that's true for you and I today, that we shouldn't be so consumed with the things that we don't understand, but the things that we understand and we don't do. We are only told that they they came from the east. From the east, near Canaan, Israel, and go east there. Whether they were to the Babylonians or Arabs we cannot certainly say for sure whether they learned to expect Christ from the ten tribes who went into captivity or possibly they learned about Jesus from the prophecies of Daniel we do not know It matters little who they were. And the point which concerns us most is the important lesson, the lesson which their story gives us. And we're going to be talking about this about two servants, two disciples, two followers of Jesus Christ. They're in the most unexpected places. And those who give Christ most honor. And then thirdly, head knowledge versus heart knowledge. And then fourthly, spiritual diligence. Well, let's look at uh, true servants in unexpected, unexpected places. One thing that I learned as a Christian and a chaplain and various places around the world that I was privileged to be a part, and I'm sure that you have traveled. There's one thing that you could always find, irregardless of the place that you went, you could always find Christians. And you established kind of a, a bond, a, a real firm foundation that you could share Christ with someone that you'd never met before. But as long as you found out they were a Christian, you felt a sense of level of trust. Now these verses that we examined show us that there may be true servants of God in places where we should not expect to find them. The Lord Jesus has many hidden ones, hidden ones like these wise men. Their story on earth may be little known as that of Melchizedek or Jethro or Job or other countless individuals that Jabez, which we're really getting into in our Zoom Bible study on Wednesdays from 6 to 7 o'clock, and we're learning so much about this prayer of Jabez. The word Jabez itself means born in pain. But Jabez's prayer was: bless me, O Lord. Bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. May the hand of God be upon me, may no sin, sorrow, sickness, or sadness, or evil, or harm befall me, and may I cause no sin, sorrow, sickness, or suffering, or evil, or harm to those that I may encounter. And my hope is that now that we're in the third or fourth week, that many of the students have paraphrase that that prayer of Jesus we must not look around the earth and say I'm hastily that all is barren we've lived in difficult times many of us have gone through certain diagnosis in the last year and we live in a country that's troubled and divided we've experienced deaths in our own congregation and loss of Lee and I still expect that I could be sitting in my office and hear a door slam and, and think oh Lee has arrived and then we're reminded of reality we must not look around the earth and say hastily all is barren." for the grace of God the grace of God is not tied to places and persons And families the Holy Spirit can lead souls to Christ without the help of outward means people may be born in dark places on the earth like like these these wise men they were dark places that they were born in and yet like them they were made for salvation They hungered for the truth, much like you went through some decision-making to get here this Sunday, this service. You could have said, there's many reasons to keep me away. But you came because you were prompted by the Holy Spirit and you yielded not to the flesh, but you yielded to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can lead souls to Christ without any help of outward meaning. People may be born in dark places of the earth like these wise men, and yet them be made wise for salvation. That you come into that experience with Christ through justification, for by grace we are saved through faith in Christ, not of which any should boast. And then you're moving on to sanctification. And as John Wesley would say, on to Perfection. Once you're justified, once you're sanctified, and then you move on to perfection. And ultimately, we only have those moments of perfection. But when we go to be with Christ, we will be perfect. Because we'll develop the mind, surely, of Christ. There There are some who are traveling to heaven at this very moment. I used to think it's so funny, you know, people would say um, to me that were much older than me. They'd say, um, "Have you looked at the, the obituaries today?" And when I was younger, I would say, "Well, why? Why would one? Why would one want to look at the obituaries?" Yeah, make sure you're not in there, right? Right? And but now. Especially when I get my hometown paper, that's almost the first place I go. And how I'm saddened when I see individuals so much younger than me, listed. And then this short little obituary about who they were married to and who they raised, and my thoughts were concentrated on when they were growing up and the things that we did together and Just short little briefs. And I'm reminded about the similarities that you and I have. We're probably not all born on the same date. And we're probably not all going to die on the same date. But what is there that you and I have in common? On every tombstone, there's something that you and I have in common. It's the dash, it's that little hyphen, which encapsulates all the things we do. And how many times I've done funerals over the last 50 years or so, and some people will say, you know, it comes down to the fact that the moments that I really enjoyed was when I could sit with my family in church, when I could, when I could go to a Christmas Eve service or an Easter service or just an ordinary service, and I could think back on how that reunion was so important. And I think of Mike and Nona and Joyce and and Barb and Jeannie and First Joe and Janet and I know how how Vern loved coming to church. And I probably shared with you a number of times, probably the only one time when I seen a tear in Burns eye, and it was when he came to church, and it was so quiet, he didn't even know I was here, and he happened to come into my office. And he said, Doesn't this quietness just get the best of you? There are some dwelling and traveling to heaven at this very moment, of whom the church and the world. Knows nothing about. They flourish in secret places like the lily among the thorns, and they seem to waste their sweetness on, on the desert air. But Christ loves them, and they love Christ. And as the books are open, there are many things that will be pulled about their lives. I remember Dr. Billy Graham saying, you know, somebody had asked him, you know, what do you think that the book of life in heaven is going to say about you? And Billy Graham says, faithful husband of Ruth Graham. Such a humble, humble statement. But there be many things. And sometimes you think of the great manifold works that Billy Graham done But when he was asked the second question, he he said, how about the person that led me to Christ? Invited me to church in that Sunday school class. Those who give Christ, those who give Christ most honor. Second, these verses show that it's not always those who have most, the most religious privileges, who give Christ most honor. We, you know, have you ever thought that the scribes and the Pharisees would have been the first to hasten to Bethlehem. The church and, and at the slightest rumor that the Savior was born, but it was not so. A few unknown strangers from a distant land were the first. They were the first, except for the shepherds mentioned by St. Luke to rejoice at the birth of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 11 says, Jesus came that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. What a mournful, what a mournful picture this is of human nature. How often the same kind of thing may be seen among ourselves, how often the uh, very people who live nearest to the means of grace, people who live around churches, are those who neglect the place of worship most. I thank God for Darwin and Maryland their faithfulness. But in the churches that I've served over the years, as I would get out and about in the community, I sense that those who lived nearest to the church always were going to get around to going to church, regardless of whether it was Methodist or Catholic or Lutheran. And it was like, it was so easy and they were always going to get around to it, and then they never went. And oftentimes we would get, get those um, funeral services, and we'd conduct the funeral services. And after I would get done with the service, people would meet me at the back, and they, they would say, how faithful was that person in church? And, you know, I have to say, well, they always considered so-and-so ch- church their church, but they, they never attended What a mournful picture this is of human nature. How often the same kind of thing may seem among ourselves. How often do the people who live nearest to the means of grace are those who neglect them the most. There's only too much truth to the old proverb that says, the nearer the church, the farther the person is from God. Now I I think of Lee Gross and I think of Elsie Boquist and you keep Elsie in your thoughts of hers. Her two cancer bouts were really healed, but then they found another cancer on her lung. I spoke with her this past weekend and prayer with her. We learned that familiarity with sacred things has an awful tendency to make people despise them. The familiar. There are many who, from residence and, and from convenience, ought to be first and foremost in the worship of God and yet they're always the last. There are many who might well be expected to be the last, who are always the first. So we we learn that those who give Christ the most honor, and then thirdly, head knowledge without heart knowledge. Last night, Chris and I were were, um, watching a fight on television, because I don't follow necessarily the fighting, but this um, particular individual I was somewhat acquainted with and he was originally from Osceola, Minnesota and I'm um, middleweight when I was a middleweight champion and I couldn't help it hear all the, the praise and almost a sense of worship over these these two individuals their names were um, they each had the same first name so they're always addressing them as by their last name head knowledge without heart knowledge third these verses here show us that there may be knowledge of Scripture knowledge of Scripture in the head while there is no grace in the heart we were told that Keaton Hare sent to inquire of the priests and the elders, King Herod said, Where is the Christ to be born in verse 4? And we're told that they gave him a very quick answer and, and showed an accurate acquaintance with the, the letter of Scripture. Accurate acquaintance with the letter of the scripture, and the letter of the law. But they never went to they never went to Bethlehem to seek the coming Savior. They would not believe in Jesus even when some years later he began to minister unto them and perform miracles. Their heads their heads were, were much better than their hearts. And let us beware of resting satisfied with the, with the head knowledge. I met many a professor in seminary and highly educated individuals. But I oftentimes wondered where their heart was. It's an excellent thing when rightly used, but a person may have much of it, the head down and still perish everlastingly, like those scribes and those Pharisees. Now, what is the state of your head and your heart today? A good evaluation is that. should certainly move from your head to your heart, to your wallet, to your feet. And this is a great question. A little grace is better than many gifts. A little grace is better than many gifts. Gifts alone can save no one, but grace, grace leads us on to glory. Fourthly, there's a call for spiritual diligence. You and I are called for spiritual diligence. One of the reasons why I think we clergy have such great difficulty possibly retiring is that the more we learn, sometimes the more we learn and the more we forget, and the more we learn, the more we realize that we don't really know. Fourth, these verses show us a splendid example of, of spiritual diligence. What trouble it must have cost for those wise men to travel from their homes to the house where Jesus was born. One of the commitments I made when I was in the military was that I would always be available for deployments. And when I was away from my family and my, my friends and the familiar of life, and I'd get back and I'd always want to kiss the ground. You and I live in a, in a tremendous, tremendous time we live in, among the chaos. Thank God for the United States of America. How many weary miles these wise men must have journeyed. Many think it, it possibly was for months and years, months and years, and the fatigues of an eastern traveler are far greater than we can all understand. They didn't get on PWA or Frontier or airlines, the time that such a journey would occupy must have been very great. The dangers to be encountered were neither few nor small. I rode a camel once when I was in Israel and I thought, man, this isn't a good means of transportation, especially for males. But none of these things seemed to move these wise men. They they had their hearts on seeing Jesus. According to verse 2, who has been born King of the Jews. And they never rested. They never rested until they saw Jesus. They, they proved to us the truth of the old saying, where there is a will, there is a way. And it would be well for all professing Christians if they were not. They were more ready to follow the example of these good, good, good persons, these wise people. You know, where is our self denial? Where is our self denial? What pains do we take about the means of grace? And thirdly, what diligence do we show about about following Christ? It was such a joy for me to just. Look out the window and, and see Chris Joel sweeping the, the steps. Coming a little bit earlier and in preparation, and Mike and Nona just stepping forward. And I'm sure Grace probably or Joyce is probably responsible for some of that food. you You know, I think I can smell it right now. I better. Wise men they believed in Jesus when the scribes and the Pharisees were unbelieving, but but that again was not all. They were not distracted by the scribes and the Pharisees. In fact, they learned later that they they needed not to go back to the scribes and the Pharisees because they'd been warned the and dream. They believed in Jesus when they saw Jesus as just a little infant just a little infant on, on Mary's knees, and they worship Jesus as a king. This, this was the crowning point of their faith. When we look in the eyes of a little baby, and we can say, what potential? What hope is there? I cannot bantam at all killing a baby. They saw no miracles by this little baby to convince them. They they heard no teaching, no teaching to persuade them. They saw no signs of divinity. They saw no designs of greatness to overawe them. They saw nothing but a newborn infant. Helpless and weak. Some of the most difficult times in my ministry was when I'm was called in oftentimes church people. We call on clergy to pronounce last rites. Now we don't necessarily believe in last rites as Protestants, but you know, Catholic theology talks about last rites and when parents would call in and because they had been notified by the docs that the child was not going to make it. They saw nothing but a newborn infant, helpless and weak parents to care for them like all of us. And yet when they saw that infant, they believed that they saw the divine Savior, the Messiah of the world. And what did they do? What did they do? Verse 11, they said they they bowed down and they worshiped Jesus like you and I. no greater faith than this in the whole volume of the Bible. We read of no greater faith than this in the whole volume of the Bible. It's a faith that deserves us to be placed side by side with that of the penitent thief. The thief saw someone dying the death of a criminal and yet the thief prayed to Jesus and, and called him Lord. The wise men saw a newborn baby on the lap of a a poor parent, a poor young teenager, and yet worshipped Jesus, and they confessed that this Jesus was a Christ. Blessed indeed are those who can believe in this way. This is the kind of faith that God delights to honor. We see the proof of that, To this very day. That wherever the Bible. Is read. The conduct of these wise. Persons are known. And it's told as a memorial to them. Let us walk. In these steps of faith today. As we close. Let us not be ashamed. Let us not be ashamed. To believe in Jesus. and, And to confess Jesus. Though all around us remain indifferent and unbelieving? Have we not a thousand times more evidence than the wise men had to make us believe that Jesus is Christ? And beyond doubt, we have. Yet, where is our faith? Father God, with every head bowed and every High clothes and those by way of television and radio, and you can make a commitment to Jesus Christ and rededication of your life. And how I missed the the voice of Lee Gross on every Sunday. I could just hear him better out of my left ear because my left ear is better hearing than my right ear. My right ear has had the impact of much gunfire, much shooting. But I could hear Lee say his prayer and his rededication and he always thanked me for the opportunity to dedicate and rededicate his life to Christ and there's no question in my mind that Lee is leaping and jumping and praising the Lord. There's no shame in rededicating our lives to Christ, areas of our lives. And all we have to basically say, if you'd repeat with me, Dear Jesus, I thank you for your love. For me. For dying for me. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart and life. Empower me, O Lord, through your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your faith. Move any head knowledge to heart knowledge. And give me, O Lord, your spiritual diligence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you turn now to your offertory prayer print in your bulletins this morning, and if we do send out the bulletins to those who request bulletins to be sent, and we consider it a real honor that you read this prayer with us because we're financially struggling. We're just kind of making ends meet. You can be a part of our ministry. You become more effective than anything that's shared by the pulpit by your giving. You become a missionary through your giving. We don't let us pray together the offertory prayer. God of power and wisdom, we give you our eternal thanks for the gift of your Son, who came not only to save, but to teach us about your kingdom and how we ought to live, readying ourselves for that kingdom. We talk with authority and if we listen we will live a life of generosity mercy and compassion bless what we give this day and help us to be faithful in the use of our resources that we might live like those anticipating your kingdom in christ we pray amen would you stand with me now for the doxology time we ask the lord's blessing upon our food and our fellowship and as we go out we go into the fellowship lounge is there any directions or order 2020 giving if you've given through the offering envelopes, it's all designated to you this wednesday always we try to do it the first wednesday of month which is this coming wednesday as you mentioned and you're all welcome to, to come we need more trustees Trustees meeting is coming Wednesday at nine o'clock. Tuesday afternoon, the eightweigh gateways, gateways ministers were really privileged and honored to have Pastor Rose join us. We how's other 8 or so ministers from evangelical churches from the area? Yes, Mike. And as Mike comes, is there any directions on the Jeannie and Neil or Nona or who's in charge kind of? Right. You know?
2: Um, I don't
0: hold anybody. but I
2: was inspired or motivated this morning. The Bible study. to think, and I thought, we are seated because He is seated. We are seated with a D because He is seated with a T at the right hand of the Most Holy Father God. And so we're seated. Our spirit is within us to do the right thing, overcome our body's natural tendencies to worship him. So we are seated because he is seated. Thank you.